First Corinthians chapter thirteen, eight to twelve. So first in Chinese, 哥林多前书十三章八到十二节，爱是永存不息的，先知的讲道必终必过去，方言终必停止，知识终必消失，因为我们现在所知道的只是一部分，所讲的道也只是一部分，等那完全的来到，这部分的就要过去了。我做孩子的时候，说话像孩子，心思像孩子，想法像孩子。既然长大了，就把孩子的事都丢弃了。我们现在是对着镜子观看，模糊不清。到那时候就要面对面了。我现在所知道的只是一部分，到那时候完全知道了，就像主完全知道我一样。Same verses, but in Spanish. El amor nunca deja de ser, pero las profecías se acabarán y cesarán las lenguas y la ciencia acabará, porque en parte conocemos y en parte profetizamos. Mas cuando venga lo perfecto, entonces lo que es en parte se acabará. Cuando yo era niño, hablaba como niño, pensaba como niño, juzgaba como niño. Mas cuando ya fui hombre, dejé lo que era de niño. Ahora vemos por espejo oscuramente, mas entonces veremos cara a cara. Ahora conozco en parte, pero entonces conoceré como fui conocido. And now in English, so once again, it's First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verses eight to twelve. Love never fails. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part; then I shall know fully, even as I have been known fully. This is the word of our Almighty Father. Happy New Year! So we're going to talk about Vision 2020. Yeah, I heard there's a joke in there. I didn't want to mention it, but somebody mentioned that to me today. What do I say? It's 2020 vision. So we're going to see it clearly today. All right. Anyway, sorry, but that's our thing. This Sunday, our vision is so bright and so clear and so important. We're going to take two weeks to do this. So I'm gonna、uh, lead it off today, talk about discipleship, and then Pastor Justin is gonna、uh, come next week, and he's gonna continue the vision.、Uh, it's not just in house, but also outside as well, because it's a church that we're constantly、uh, moving outwards and forwarding, being forward and expanding. Now, before we do this,、um, uh, so get out your handy little devices, and、uh, what we did during Advent season,、uh, we're gonna do Bible reading together. Yay! And in fact, a lot of you actually participated with the Advent reading. I'm very impressed. So what I want to do is, from now until March, this is about three months, 90 days. We want to have a 90 days reading、uh, the Bible plan. And so we've been、uh, using the U version Bible. So do we have that up there? Okay. So follow the directions, and it's a new series. And in fact,、um, those of you who've been we've been doing together, I've already invited you. Some have already responded. 
So, um, so there, you're responding already. You guys see it popping up now. So thank, thank you. So, so those of you who have not done this, uh, follow those instructions. Find this reading plan. Find Ed City Church. All those steps are there. I don't know how to do it, but you just figure that out. And then let's read the Bible together. And this is like different from the Advent. It's not necessarily devotion. It's really straight up Bible reading. That's what we need uh, for ourselves and in our church. And we're basically holding each other accountable so that we can read the Bible together. All right? I want to um, uh, begin with that. So you do that. And then uh, if you're following along uh, uh, with your phone, with the Bible with your phone, go for it. If not, you can kind of tuck it away, all right? But anyway, Happy New Year. Um, um, 2020 is, is, is a new decade. It's, it's, it's a huge thing, right? I remember, you know, going from 1999 to 2000, that was a huge thing. And it just feels like another thing, you know. Um, you know, those of us who were born... Um, latter part of the 19th century, no, 20th century. That sounds really far away, <laughs> but some of us are in that category. You know, we've always had futuristic vision and movies that says 2020 or 20-something, and it seems so far away, doesn't it? But actually, it's right now. This <laughs> is happening as we speak. In a sense, we are in the future, so let's figure out how God is going to take us into this new decade, all right? Now, uh, most of you have been part of this journey uh, Pastor Mark kind of alluded to that as he was sharing, and, and, and I've, I share this quite often, and I think we need to repeat the story over and over again, because as we now move into this new year, um, you know, where were we going, and, and where we are going depends on where we came from. So I want to kind of briefly talk about the story of Edge City, because our story is always constantly being written. It has been written and is continued to be uh, written for now and for the future. So, so let's. So, just a, a quick reminder of where we came from. All right. So, as you know, for most of you, we've been here for a little over a year, and and it's very humbling to see where we are at now. You know, um, and and I want you to really get excited for not just this year, but for the next decade, if you will, because it's a new decade, all right? So here's a brief recap of how we got to this place at First Press in Mineola. Um, it all goes back to, you know, Hyunsu and I, when we were in Philadelphia area, and about 10 or so years ago, we were there, and believe it or not, we had this church in mind. We didn't know where it was going to be, who's going to be there. We didn't even know all, any of you guys. But the, but the name, S City Church, was already implanted in our mind and hearts because that was the idea to plant that in the Philadelphia area. And so we tried, and we collaborated with the best church plant organizations and minds that were out there at that time. Boy, strategies and, and uh, methodologies, resources, brand name, and all those things were so exciting when we first got into this church plant world. And, you know, in my mind, it was a sure shot <laughs> with all the expertise and all the people behind us that's going to make this happen, you know, easy peasy. Lemon, thank you. And, boy, I was confident. It was so, I was so certain with this false bravado that I brought up. Guess what happened? We attempted, and it was an epic failure. <laughs> and that's our story. That's part of our story. 
So we ate a lot of humble pie that year, and, and God led us to church in Great Neck. And, and so, you know, we went there, um, went back to the basics, loving God and loving people. Isn't that nice? Because that's what the gospel is. It was absolutely humble. But that's where, in my mind, that's where this whole Ed City stuff began to be birthed. And we didn't even know about it, but it was happening. So we were there. We met most of you there. We met a lot of people. And, and close to about maybe seven or eight years, we were able to grow that congregation and, and start to implement the seeds of what this S-City would be about. So when we first got there, uh, the English, uh, the children, the Chinese congregation, and it would, there were maybe around maybe 100, maybe 125, 100 people 150 people at the most, and then by that time, he grew up to, uh, remember, like, I think 600 plus, so it was a massive thing that was going on, but um, but besides the numbers and the programs that we were be able to, we were able to implement, during that time, though, it was, it was then, actually, the latter parts of those great neck years that God started to impress upon my heart the need for discipleship, and I do remember the last two years before we left Great Neck Church, he set this trajectory in my heart of, of what discipleship means and what it really is. And he, he caused us to reformat at least the congregation that we were in charge of, to, to reformat it so that the so discipleship will, will um, not only uh, be learned, but we would, uh, that it would be an, a foundational uh, ministry for the church. So we began this process. And I don't know if you remember, but, but myself, Pastor Benu, and Pastor Chen, we, we actually went to, out of all places in America, we went to Post Falls, Idaho. Does anyone know where Post Falls, Idaho is? No. Okay. Hank's lying. He doesn't know where it is. <laughs> no one knows where it is. But we went there because there's a, a pastor. His name is Jim Putman. And he uh, wrote a book called Disciple Shift, and his church is called Real Life Ministry. We went there. We checked it out. And, 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 I, not, and, and I was blown away because I never thought that you can base your church on just pure discipleship. So we had to go see it. We went there with our own eyes, and I was convinced uh, because that was a mega church in nowhere, out of nowhere, and they planted other churches in nowhere places that also turned into mega churches because people were discipled. I'm like, this is crazy. So I got, we brought it back, and we started to do that in the uh, uh, at, at at the Great Neck Church, and eventually, make a very long story short. You know, we, we had to leave, and we assembled a group of 50 core people, and most of you are still here. You were the first adapters of this new vision, and, um, and who learned the discipleship model. And, and honestly, without you and the early adapters and who are trying to uh, uh, see this vision uh, materialize, there's no way a city could be happening, even now and for the future, but God has used you and will continue to use you. And those of you who are new to S-City, I need you to see how this stuff began. It didn't come out of a vacuum. It didn't just start a year ago, but it was a turn 10-plus year process. So this is how our first year church began, all right? So we just celebrated. I think September was one year. Now it's January. What can we expect in 2020? 
You've heard this phrase many times, I hope, that those who do not remember the past are doomed or condemned to what? You know this? To repeat it, right? It's just, uh, I don't know who came up with it, but it makes sense. And so we have to, that's why I tell you that story, because we have to go back and remember where we came from so we don't uh, uh, repeat the same mistakes. And so Scripture is important, because scriptures here is not only God's word for us, for not only spiritual life and heaven, but, but it is really a written history of the past. So in a sense, we don't have to doom, we don't, we're not doomed to repeat the past. And so that's why I, I um, chose this text today to share with you this vision for 2020 as we look at the Corinthian church, all right? Um, here's, here's a little side thing about the Corinthian church. Um, typically, I know I've done this many times, and every time I hear a message about the Corinthian church, it's always negative. Because <laughs> if you've read first, second, first and Second Corinthians, you find that the people in that church, I mean, they were a mess. There were issues upon issues that just, that just couldn't get resolved, you know? And it ranges from divisions, people, you know, are siding with such and such personalities and pastors. There was sexual immorality going rampant, there were marital problems, spiritual gifts, even, even spiritual things were being abused, and confusion of theology, particularly the resurrection, and those are just the highlights. So this church was always problematic, and, and every time myself and other preachers preach about it, we always emphasize the negativity, all right? And I get that because there were a lot of issues there. However, with fresh eyes, right, I'm reading through this again, and, and I learned over the years that the Corinthian church was not atypical. It's double negative, so let me make it positive. This, the Corinthian church was very, actually a very typical church. And in fact, not just for the first century church, but for any church that exists today, even at Edge City. And here's the reason why. You know why it's like that? And you know why the Corinthian church is really typical of every church in uh, this, this whole wide world? It's because if you think about it, and if you did the history, you'll find that the Corinthian church it was in existence when Paul wrote this letter, only four or five years in existence. It really still was a new church plant in this language that we're using. And they were only in existence uh, you know, less than a decade, about four years at the, mo- at the minimum. So therefore, what kind of believers were in the church? They were new believers. So spiritually, they were composed of young Christians, new Christians who were coming out of Judaism, out of paganism, out of no religion, out of atheism, out of Greek philosophy. They were just coming from all over the place, and Jesus was a new thing. They didn't know anything about this, and they're coming in and trying to understand this and figure things out. In other words, the people that composed the Corinthian church were spiritual infants and spiritual children in Jesus. And let me tell you something. If you got a bunch of novices running the church, are you surprised it was so messy? <laughs> we are surprised but actually, that's how it is. And that's why the Corinthian church should not be a surprise. We should actually, unfortunately, expect that. Because they're not mature. 
They're trying to figure this out, albeit it was messy and it was horrible. A lot of bad things were happening because they didn't know what they were doing because they were infants and they were kids in Christ. Now, I use that language particularly because Jim Pumpman, going back to this whole discipleship thing that we're learning, he wrote this foundational book that I mentioned called Disciple Shift. Not Disciple Shift. No. Not Disciple Ship. Careful, Steve. Yes. But Disciple Shift. <laughs> all right. I'm not going to use those words anymore, all right? Because I realize it's being recorded now, so i got to be very careful. In that book whatever that name is, he analyzed, like, how to do discipleship, right? And, and he was able to categorize and, and analyze people in the church based upon one's spiritual growth. Uh, you know, we, all, we say we're a Christian, we're following Jesus, but here's the reality. Not all are on the same page, nor are you on the same type of journey. So the language that he uses, and in fact, this is one of his... Um, thing here that uses life stages such as spiritually dead and you see going from uh you see that 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 pathway uh, if you're not a christian you're spiritually dead all right then once you become a christian you're an infant child then you're a young adult then you're a parent and on this diagram he doesn't show this but but now these days he's using the language of grandparents so he's using all this familiar family analogies that i think we can understand and, um, and, and we've been teaching this for several years now, and we just finished another discipleship class, and, and this is stuff that you're, you're learning. And in fact, what he did was he took these various stages and categories, and he turned it into a wheel called the discipleship wheel. Now, if, you don't, if you've never seen this image before, you are going to have to learn it, because Ed City is based upon this discipleship wheel. And, um, and today I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But, but you know what? I'm going to leave it here because this is important. This is the discipleship that, that SCD will do and continue to do this year and um, in subsequent years. Again, I think uh, spirituality is very complex. Where we are on this is very complex. But the language of infancy and children and young adults it makes sense because that's what families are and we've uh, you know as you're growing you'll go go through all those stages and so it's easy to identify where we are spiritually in that way all right so each category the whole point is let me go back here each category uh, if you are in the infant stage or if you're not christian yet you're dead stage the whole idea is that you must constantly be uh, progressing to the next stage of not a category, but of discipleship. So as long as you're moving up, that is what discipleship is. In a sense, you never are fully discipled. You're constantly being discipled or discipling others. That's the whole model of this whole thing. All right. Now, that's the setup here. Um, in the language um, of Jim Pumpman, this Corinthian church, now going back to 1 Corinthians, it was populated with spiritual infants and spiritual children. Therefore, you should expect problems, and we do as well. Now, kids, infants, and little children, we love them because they're so darn cute. Look how cute they are. Even Baby Yoda is so cute. Don't you agree? <laughs> and, 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 and it's such a delight when kids and children, when they get it, right? 
And that's why I, I would love so many of you to rotate through children's ministry because it's not just the thing that you do while we're having worship, but when you speak to kids and they get it, they give you these wide eyes. They're like, wow, it's amazing that you can implant spiritual truths in their young fertile hearts. You know, the best part of being a spiritual child is that uh, there's always time to be instructed and, and, it's, and, and I, I want to be a kid again because everything is provided for. You don't have to cook. You don't have to do your laundry. You don't have to go get money. I mean, everything is there, right? You're supported, you know. Uh, and, 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 you know, spiritually it's the same thing too. If you're growing and you're a new Christian, spiritually you're going to be cared for and you must. You're going to be supported. You're going to be loved. You're going to be given time. You're going to be given instructions in your spiritual walk. Spiritual meals are prepared for you. Like that's what sermons are, right? And you come to church and everything is there for you. If you have kids, they're taken care of as well, right? And, and, and that's a good thing. And it's, ama- it's great to be a spiritual child because all that is provided for you. But the thing is, the reason why we, God allows that stage so that you can go to the next stage of your growth in Jesus. Now, the thing about being a spiritual child is it is cool because you don't have to do anything. But however, those of you who are parents and uh, those of you who work with kids, you know uh, not only is there being a child is good, but there's also another side too. And the worst part of being a child is when they feel entitled or ungrateful. You see this little kid? He's doing some bad things. I have to, uh, you know, mark out some of the things that he did. But it's like kids can be like that too, as you know. No names here, right? Um, If kids feel entitled and ungrateful for what they have, they... um, there will be poster childs for Toys R Us kids. You know, remember the Toys R Us kids jingle? I'm a Toys R Us kids. No, sorry. I try not to sing, and I'm not. <laughs> but it says, I don't want to grow up, right? Because I'm a Toys R Us kids, blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing about being a Toys R Us kids or, or just wanting to be a kid. I don't, if, you, if you don't get the memo, do you know what happened to Toys R Us? As a store, they went out of business, <laughs> okay? If you're stuck being a kid and, 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 and you're ungrateful and you're always me, 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 it's not a good thing because spiritually now speaking, if we're growing in Christ and, you have to, and you're, you're, you're grown as a, a child of God, that's a good thing, but if we're stuck in the spiritual state of being a spiritual child, then... Um, then it's not good. You know why it's not good? Because being a spiritual child, think about this, it is unsustainable for you as a, as a Christian. It is unsustainable for the church to mature and progress. And it's not God's design for you to be stuck as an infant or a spiritual child that never grew up. Is the worst thing is when adults still act like kids and they're still emotionally unhealthy and anything triggers them and they're 50 years old. That's, that's really pathetic. Spiritually, same thing too. You've been a Christian one year, 10 years, 30 years, and you still don't know where Habakkuk is. The inner is really pathetic. 
And so we can't have that. Do you know, similarly, when, you know, that, that's why we have Old Testament. We always refer to Genesis, Exodus all the time because that's our his, past history. Did you know that when Israel came out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness, it was only meant to be a temporary dwelling? Yes, you should know that. We know that. But the Israelites, they didn't know that. They were mainly spiritual infants and kids because if you think about it, Moses just came and uh, they just got, quote, saved literally, physically, and spiritually in the desert, and they were enjoying the desert. You know why? Because they didn't want to grow up. <laughs> they, they had meals catered to them. They were thirsty. God gave them water. They wanted meat. You know, meat fell from the ground. Woo, what a deal. <laughs> Everything was provided for them in the wilderness, and, um, and God did it through Moses in the end. When it was time to grow up, after 40 years, you have to grow up, right, for, to some extent, they refused to take the level, next level of faith. And you know what happened? This is what past story tells us. Just like Toys R Us business, they went out of business, all right? The whole first generation of Israelites, do you know what happened to them? Yes, they died. They never not only matured spiritually, but they physically died in the wilderness. Even Moses he grew up, he was the grandparent, but he died with the people. And, but the next generation, um, the, all those who are 40 and under, who they were now infants and kids, they were forced to grow up. And they, of course, crossed the Jordan River, and they did what they needed to do. Now, that's the story. Now, let's go back to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth was just like that. Oh, I know you're, not, you're tired of seeing that bread of kids, so let me put the vision back up here. But the Corinth church was a bunch of uh, spiritual infants and kids, all right? Um, they were doing whatever they wanted. And that's why all these issues came out in that church. Um, Jim Pumpman uses this thing called phrase from the stage. In other words, how do you know you're a spiritual child? Uh, people start to not only behave certain ways, but they begin to vocalize, whether verbally or internally, these kind of things. For instance... Um, don't branch or divide my group into two groups is comfortable for me right now. Or uh, who are all these new people coming to church? Their church is getting way too big. <laughs> You're like, oh, man, I don't want to grow, right? I love my small group. Don't add any more people to it. My uh, small group is not taking care of my needs like they should. So do something about it. I don't have anyone who's spending enough time with me. No one is discipling me. Oh, gosh, right? I don't like the music today. Not to offend you guys, but you know, that's what special children do. They, if only you played like Hillsong. I don't know. Oh, did I just say that? Don't look at me like that. I'm just reading what they're saying. It's not from our church, by the way. This is like, just like the church of Jesus Christ. This is what they say. I'm not being fed, so I'm going to another church. Oh, gosh, I hate here. Here's the thing. Pastor looked at right at me and didn't even say hello. Just forgive me, okay? <laughs> My eyes are small for a reason. Anyway. But anyway, Bible reading, and just continuing this, like Bible reading is non-existent, or if you only live off of piecemeals of scripture, just citing verses that everybody knows, that's that's a um, that's a child. Or being involved in the church, meaning just I intend to, but, you know, things come up. and that's. But isn't that just as good as commitment? That's child language, um, et cetera, et cetera. So here's the thing. St. Paul, 
The Apostle Paul knew that a church full of spiritual infants and children who were acting out in an unhealthy way, it was hindering them to go to the next level of discipleship. That's why he wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the passage that we read. And I didn't read the earlier verses because not only is it long, but you'll miss the point. Because you know what happens in 1 Corinthians 13, right? That's the love passage. It's beautiful. It's poetical. And a lot of people in weddings, they use those words uh, to share their vows and stuff. And it's nice. It's beautiful poetry and language. But the reason why the Apostle Paul, uh, right there in, in the middle of this whole excursus, chapter 13 is pretty late in the game, okay? It's, you know, and, and towards the end, he injects this love language in. Why does he do that? It's not to say, oh, let's just love one another, guys. Grow. There's a purpose to this beautiful love language, and the purpose is this. Um, is to motivate the Corinthian church who are young in their faith, who are spiritual brats, to... to move out of that state so that they can be mature, so that they can move to the next level of discipleship. What he's doing with these, this, this poetry is to diminish this entitlement, this childish play of, display of spirituality that they were looking for. Because they, they think, as long as I have tongues, or I can prophesy, or I know stuff, or I can do miracles, and I can do these kind of fantastic uh, spiritual things, then I'm mature and I don't need anything else. That's how uh, spiritual infants and spiritual children think. And Paul's saying, no. That's why uh, we looked at verse 8. It says, um, you know, um, what does it say? <laughs> verse 8 says, love never ends. King James Version, no, love Never faileth, right? It's cool. And he talks about love because that is permanent versus tongues, prophecy, knowledge. And he says there, latter part of verse 8, they're all short-sighted things. They will pass away. You see, when you're young, you think, if only I only have this and that, that I'll be okay. No, <laughs> just because, you know, you, when you're young, you want it yesterday or you want it now. I can't wait. I want it now. And if I have that, I'm good. And Paul says, whether you, even if you have it now, it's irrelevant because that's not going to propel you to the next level of faith. You know, the worst thing about church is that a bunch of young kids who are so bright and smart and have spiritual gifts and, and know theology in and out, who seem to have everything. That's the worst thing for you right now. You know why? Because you think you don't need to grow. You think you've already arrived. There's a language called that. That's called a sophomore. You're like, I'm not in 10th grade or I'm not in second year of college. No, no. Sophomore meaning means you're so fast. You think you're wise, but you're a what? A moron. You know what a moron is? You're, so, so spiritual kids are sophomores. You know, you're foolishly dumb. No, no, foolishly wise, like whatever it takes. And that's what, um, that's why what Paul is saying, don't focus on those things. I know you want those things because you see the Apostle Paul, you see Peter, you see all these 
pillars of the faith being so amazing. But you're not there yet. You got to put the heart, you got to be willing to soak all the stuff and get ready to grow. So ultimately, what you need is love, love of God and love for the people. Because that never faileth. It'll never go away. You don't need stuff. You don't need gifts and talents. You need Jesus' love. That's what Paul is saying. That's why verse 11 is so critical. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. And indirectly, he's saying, church, you're still a kid. So here's the thing. Paul says, I reasoned like a child. That's the past. When I became a man... Or you grow up to the next level of maturity. I gave up childish ways. And this is the thrust of how he gets a church, a people in Corinth to, to mature and level up. Last example of uh, uh, real life church in Post Falls, Idaho. One of the things that Jim Putman says is, you know, it, it has maybe two, 3,000, maybe 5,000 people. We were just there for a few days. So we're able to only see little snapshots of what's going on. But at that time, they had 90-plus staff members. You think we're staff-heavy. Oh, it's nothing compared to what this church has. 90 staff members. Out of that, there were, there were seven pastors at the time. This was several years ago. And, and out of the seven pastors, only two of the seven pastors uh, in that church uh, actually worked in a church. In other words, they were hired from the outside. The rest of the five pastors and the, and the majority of the staff that was running this huge operation started as volunteers. They served just like you do. They worked the low-level jobs at church. They probably cleaned the bathroom and whatever, you know, whatever the church needs to be done. And now through that, they were discipled. And as they got discipled, they were asked to be on staff. And, and now they are sought out after. They're, these people that are working at this church are being recruited to serve in other uh, positions globally as well. You know, And he said, this is what I love about what he said. He said, there was a time when these people, that, that no one would even want to, Think about hiring these people or even a glance at them because they never held significant ministry positions, nor did they have formal training. I still remember when they brought up the whole staff, there was one guy, he looked like he was 400 pounds, uh, bald, and had tattoos. You look at him, and I want to run the other way because, you know, he looks tough. And in fact, he was tough because he was in jail, he was incarcerated, and, and after he got out of jail, now he's a pa- one of the pastors of that church. Amazing. You know, if we hired a convict here, you know, I'm not sure how long our church would last, but, but, but how did they do that? Discipleship. Isn't that amazing? I, we're not looking for who is the most eloquent is, is who is willing to learn and be a follower of Christ. That's, that's all that's it. That's why this is, we're so excited for this model. Because if I can be a pastor, so can you. <laughs> and and, and, and it's, it's no joke. And, and our job is to turn you into heroes. We are hero makers. We want to turn you into heroes. That's the language that we used last year as well. But anyway, 2020 is a time, church, I'll wind up. It's a time to uh, do away with childish things. 
and to move into maturity. That's it. In our church, we have a mixture of uh, young adults, spiritual parents, but most of us are in the child category and some young adults, some are infants, some are spiritually dead, and that's fine. That's what we need. But for the majority of us, uh, we need to take the next step, and I, and I want to challenge you to do this. Childhood is a necessary, important step to maturity into spiritual young adulthood, which is the next category. But, but, but I want to challenge you, you please do not get stuck as a spiritual child. That's not good for the church, and we're going to make sure that you don't. So how's the, what's the vision for 2020? It's discipleship, all right? How do you do that? Uh, I zoomed in one section. If you're a spiritual child, what do you do? And, and this is what the church is going to do this year. We're going to do three things based upon what this model says. Number one, we're going to pour all our efforts, the staff that is, the money and resources, to get you to connect it to God. And how do you do that? Right here, worship. I, I want to challenge you to do be better Sunday attendance than the national average. Remember I mentioned this before? You know what the national average of Christians that attend church on a monthly basis is 1.7. I don't know how they got the point seven, <laughs> but but it's not even it's not but it's not even twice two two times a month it's one point seven and I think it's going down. I want to challenge you to be four Sunday Christians per month, not a year per month. That means every Sunday. That's why. I mean, I don't really care if you fill in the seas. This is for you, because you got to get connected to God through worship hearing the message. So, so another way to get connected to God is devotion. Uh, part of it is the reason why you need to hear a message, whether it's boring or not, is irrelevant. If God is really here, if we're being as faithful as possible to bring you God's word, he will speak to you in some way. So that's why we're going to do the Bible reading app together to hold us accountable. You have a concerted time of 30 to, for me, about 45 minutes of just at least trying to hear from God. And that's how you get connected to God. That's why we're doing, we're doing Bible studies starting this Wednesday. We come together to, we, to study that Bible. And then when we do retreats and special events and prayer meetings, all of these things that we're doing is designed to connect you, church, to God. That's why we have all these announcements and stuff. Not to sort so to make us busy because there's a purpose for that. And that's what I'm, we're committing to do. I'm telling you that right now. Secondly, you have to, we're going to uh, ask you to connect to community groups, to each other. There is no Lone Ranger Christians allowed because I've seen too many Lone Ranger Christianity. And you know what happens if you try to grow on your own without by yourself? Even if you come to church once in a while, you will be stunted. It's just, that's just the way it is. Just like a child who's not properly nourished, they would only be yay tall. And community group is we, we, we're basing everything on community groups. You have no idea how risky this is. I, I want to do so many ways that the typical church does, but, but we, we're committed to building this church based on community groups because it is in those groups where the disciple tools for everything happens, evangelism, leadership development, pastoral care, how you get connected to church. Every, so we're looking for leaders and we're looking for servants of God, not because uh, you do a lot of stuff, but, but except that you do it through community groups. So everything is based on that. And finally, connected to purpose. That's what the third thing says. 
So it's not just coming to church or uh, teaching Sunday school or taking care of kids Fridays and Sundays. That's not how you get your service going on. The secret sauce to maturity, if I can say it that way, to the next level of growth, not only for coming out of being a spiritual child, but for the rest of your Christian life, is for you individually to be connected to the purpose for God. Another way to say it is, do you know God's will for your life? Is it to be a professional or do this and that? That's not God's will for your life necessarily. Those things that you want to do, and that's fine. And if you're good at it, do it. But God's will for you is the way he has not only made you, but gifted you and put a desire. Every one of you have different talents. Find out how those things get connected to God's purpose. If you get that, you can, you can either pick up trash for a living or, or, or heal people in surgery rooms. You'll be so fulfilled. Whether you make much or little, you'll be so fulfilled if you get connected to the purpose of God in your life. And, and our church, we're going to do our best. Almost individualize every one of you to say, what is God's purpose for your life? What do you want to do in 2020? And I've been asking several people, what do you want to do this year in, within your 10-year plan or 20-year plan? What do you want to do? If that is, if you know exactly what, or if you have an idea of what God wants you to do, this passion for your life, then 2020, this year, let's start with that and just build on it. And every one of you, if you find that sweet spot, I can see every one of you having a ministry within the context of Edge City. And I'm not talking about Sunday school, youth group, whatever. That's the church's ministry. That's why you hire Mark Lynn. Oh, thank God. <laughs> you know, you, you let him worry about that. You are not doing that. You're doing your own ministry. And I'm doing, if I could, if I'm not the senior pastor, I'll be a minister of heart and soul. Right, Judy? I'll turn all of you into iron men and women, right? That's, that's my passion. And once you kick me out or, re, or retire, then I, that's what I'll do, okay? I'll come to that city and say, can I be that pastor, please? And you, every one of you have some specific passion, that gives you purpose. That's eventually what you want to do. That's why you're here. Not just fill the seats so you can hear from God every week and, and work it out. And our church is very different. We're not here to grab you and keep you, make sure check every time you come. We're here to uh, strengthen you, turn you into hero makers so that you can actually leave. Get out. Not now, but afterwards. Because you got to continue to plant churches. Anyway, did I go over time? Of course I did. But we're going to pray, and we're going to have communion because we need God to bless us this new year so that we can get that fuel, spiritual fuel, to go out and be who God wants us to be, all right? So communion, ushers, if you would come up here, please, uh, get ready, and let me pray. Father, I thank you for our church. I thank you for what you are doing and what you will do through S City Church for the men and women here who may know what they're doing or may not and who are confused that you will raise up everyone here so that uh, you would have a special call on everyone's life and they're going to do amazing things for your kingdom and we thank you for that so father as we now take communion that you would take these elements and you would uh, fill it into our souls so we would know that, Jesus, you are with us and you would 
uh, just motivate us and you would drive us to get out of our complacency, get out of our childish ways so that when we have become, want to be godly men and women, that we will put away with all those childish and infant ways that we become mature in Christ. So show us how to do that and go, help us to go through that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.